today on the show, we are doing our best to contain our thirst because, honestly, uh, we're both too soft to survive in horny jail. Jesus. <laughs> Phrasing? <laughs> it's, a, it's a quadruple entendre, all right? Just sort yeah, through wow. it. <laughs> sort through it, you know, through the theme, listener, just <laughs> ponder that opening phrase. <laughs> Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. My name is Leo. And Leo. Yeah. We're finally talking about our boy. <laughs> our boy. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan motherfucking Idaho. But maybe not the one y'all are thinking of, dear listener. Yes, ma'am. There are so many things to say that we cannot because we haven't done our spoiler warning yet. So <laughs> let's first make Shoutout Mapes proud and handle the housekeeping, mm -hmm. starting with our spoiler warning. Today's episode will contain spoilers for all six of Frank's books. Indeed. We are going to be focusing mostly on the period of time between Children of Dune and God Emperor of Dune, but we will touch on some details here and there. It's just safest if you've read them all. And listen, as always, this episode will be here waiting for you. So if you haven't read those books yet, take the time. They're all good. They're all fun. And once you're done with Chapter House, you can hit play and resume right now. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> from this point forward <laughs> from <right>. this <laughs> point forward uh, we can finally make the jokes about having an orgy with every Duncan Gola <laughs> yeah alright continuing with our housekeeping a reminder that the best way to support this show is to become a patron at patreon.com slash gomchabar not only will you be supporting us you'll also get cool benefits like completely ad-free episodes mm-hmm Bonus clips and bloopers every single week. Nice. And an invite to our exclusive Discord server and more. Dang. In fact, one of those benefits is being able to vote and help us decide on what deep dive topics we'll be covering on the show. Today's episode, for example, was voted on by our patrons. Y'all really wanted to hear about the many lives of Duncan, Idaho. Yeah. Now, of course, we also have to shout out our Kwisatz Haderach level patrons. Kay Sakin. Yes. Matthew Good. Ah. Oh. Gents. <laughs> yeah. The world needs more of your generosity, so I will be making infinite golas of you <laughs> for the next 4,000 years. That's yeah. the waiver you signed when you became a Kwisatz Haderach level patron. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> you might have missed that little checkbox on patreon.com, but yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. it includes gola reproduction rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, another great way you can support the show is by checking out our merchandise at gomjabarshop.com. You could buy a shirt for yourself or for your infinite goalless. <laughs> you could get tote bags for every single one of them. Or yes. maybe just treat yourself because this is the probably the life they're all going to look back on. 
as the first one. No pressure. So true. So true. All right. Final bit of housekeeping. A friendly reminder that we love to hear from you. So email us at gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. That's the best place to send your episode ideas, to send your feedback, and to let us know if you like pulping your orange juice <laughs> and whether we should excommunicate you from this community. <laughs> I thought about that as I had my most pulp orange juice like <laughs> seven minutes ago. I'm just pretending that's not true, you know, that, <laughs> that Leo and pulp are two facts. I'm just separating in my mind forever. Living in permanent <laughs> denial. Well, that's housekeeping. So let's talk about this episode and how we're going to handle this. In almost a way that's become an inside joke, Frank Herbert decided that no Dune book would be complete without Duncan motherfucking Idaho. <laughs> he Hell was like, yeah. listen, we're in Dune. Duncan's there. People like him. He's great. Mm -hmm. And it's true. We love him. He's a great character. We know very well hate from Dune Messiah becomes Duncan Idaho later that book. And of course, Children of Dune, same Duncan, <laughs> uh, doing great till he's killed by Stilgar. <laughs> and then we meet Duncans in God Emperor and Heretics and Chapter House. But aside from those Duncans that we meet on page, we're told at the beginning of God Emperor of Dune that Leto spent over 3,000 years basically just ordering Duncans. Yeah. Obviously, he used the Tleilaxu affiliate link, you know, Amazon.tleilaxu.com. Mm -hmm. But good heavens, we had a lot of Duncans that we never met. And that's what, that's where this idea for this episode came from. Right. That's where the Dune Encyclopedia actually fills in the gaps of our knowledge because in classic Dune Encyclopedia fashion, we're given almost an unnecessary amount of detail about roughly 19 Duncans. <laughs> yeah. 17 of which are the ones that we don't meet within the pages of the Dune saga itself. So that is actually where we wanted to focus today's episode on. We all know the Duncans from the books. Today is all about the Duncans you may have never heard of. The various Duncans that were ordered by Leto across that 3,000-year lifespan between the end of Children of Dune and the start of God Emperor. So, our game plan is to go through them in chronological order, discussing what the Dune Encyclopedia tells us about each one. So, before we jump into it, before we talk about our first Duncan, we're going to take a quick break. So, stick around. When we're back, we're going to literally flood your life with Duncan Idaho. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone. We hope your tool shed was enough to store the flood of Duncans we shipped to your house. <laughs> yeah. Let's dive in. Let's talk about our first Duncan today. Yeah. So the first Duncan we're going to touch on is <laughs> the Duncan that was created in 10,232 AG. 
all of these Duncans basically have a date attached to them, right. which is when they were shipped, I guess the shipping day. Right. Now, this is a <laughs> this is one of those short entries because Duncan 10232 arrives a mere 3 months after Stilgar kills the Duncan that we know in Children of Dune. Right. And the Dune encyclopedia here is hilariously sassy. It says, quote, while the Benny Tleilax's knowledge of genetic engineering was unparalleled, their sense of human psychology was woeful. End quote. <laughs> yeah. They sent him a Hallmark Duncan. Like, we're sorry for your loss. Here's like, another. Right. This is such a stupid idea. Such a stupid idea. And you know the Tleilax who were like, I don't, did I offend him? Did I do something wrong? I don't know what I did wrong. Yeah. We sent, sent him, him another Duncan. A replacement loved one. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you. And you're not saying thank you. And it upsets me. Pawinda. Right. right. Pawinda bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Pawinda bitch. Sorry. That was a bit spicy. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Just so socially inept. <laughs> what happened to... Duncan 10-232, you ask? Well, quote, Leto 2 had him killed immediately, end quote. Oh. <laughs> Which is going to become a bit of a running theme today, but it's hilarious that the Benny Tleilax send this guy like three months after the last one died, and Leto's like, too fucking soon, you guys, and just <laughs> yeah. has him killed. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, like, starting off the bat with such a quick one, does set a precedent that Duncan's become pretty much immediately disposable. Yeah. But let's talk about our next Duncan, Duncan 1199. We are 900 years later, and our next notable Duncan is so notable, he gets a nickname. And his nickname is Duncan the Arch Traitor. My God. <laughs> For, yeah, traitor wasn't enough. They really needed to bolster <laughs> that title as much as they could. <laughs> Super Traitor was taken, as it turns out. Yeah. Now, the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that, quote, among all the Golas, with the possible exception of Duncan the Last, he was the most offended by Leto II's absolute rule, end quote. Hmm. So, to be clear, this Arch Traitor, I don't know if you're going to see this coming, not a super stable dude. He's described as being incredibly immature and prone to a little thing called sexual assault. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And it is noted that this volatility, like the the propensity for Duncan Idaho to be chaotic and volatile, there is the process that the Tleilaxo used to reawaken Duncan's memories, which is, as we know from <laughs> heretics, uh, really fucking traumatizing. So... This was a pattern where these Golas who had to go through this traumatic thing, in addition to already being Duncan Idaho, this really pushes most of them to the breaking point. So many of these Golas have these sort of like intense <laughs> uh, qualities. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's talk about why this guy earned the title Arch Trader and some of these qualities. Yeah. We're told that on a mission to observe what was left of House Carino, Arch Trader fell under the spell of someone named Ankas Aramsham, who is the great, great granddaughter of a Sardaukar general and a Bene Gesserit of secret rank. Now, 
Ancas at the time was a leader of this militant group within the Sardaukar, the remnants of the Sardaukar, called the Final Force. And Ancas convinced Archtraitor that Leto II had to be killed, which doesn't seem like that incredible of a sales pitch, considering he's already like super offended by Leto's absolute rule. Right. I'm sure it was fairly easy to get Duncan <laughs> Archtraitor on their side here. You want to end his, his rule? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> oh, me too. Did we just become best oh my, friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like favorite dinosaur at the same time. Three, two, one. Velociraptor. Uh, Velociraptor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Hey, look, we're not going to become arch traders. That's how that works. Right. Right. <laughs> so they become best friends. Dinosaur favoritism notwithstanding, <laughs> and they then combine their forces and their skills. Duncan brings his brilliant military mind and fighting capabilities, of course. And Ancas brings the resources of both the Final Force, this militant Sardaukar group, and the Bene Gesserit, who are secretly backing them. And they effectively create like a pseudo-rebel alliance against Leto II. Right. And this rebel group actually manages to nearly infiltrate Leto's inner sanctum <sighs> and kill him with a stone burner that was conveniently supplied by Ix. So, like, truly a rebel alliance. We got Ix, we got the Sardaukar, we got the Bene Gesserit, House Carino, and now a Duncan in the mix, all turning against Leto. Yeah. We say almost, though, because Leto still had some loyal Fidekin at this time, and these Fidekin managed to fight off this Sardaukar assault. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia does note, though, that these are not the same wildly overpowered Fidekin from Paul Atreides' time. Like, they aren't actually able to even wipe out the rebels completely before getting wiped out themselves. And hilariously, Leto II himself, the god emperor himself, yeah. has to, like, flop into the fray <laughs> to yeah. kill the remaining five final Sardaukar and Duncan Archtraitor himself. So he has to come in and mop up the leftovers because these Fidekin were not able to actually take these Sardaukar on one-to-one, -one, which is obviously a shocking turn from what we know in the first Dune book where we see Fremen take on like five Sardaukar at once and survive. Like the ratio is like five to one or something. Yeah, yeah. Here, it's clear to us that the Fidekin have fallen from the peak of their might. It's true. You know... This episode of Leto II's rule left a mark on Leto II, and this gets us to basically talking about the effects that Archtraitor Duncan had on the world that we meet in God Emperor of Dune. In the short term, Leto II basically decided not to order any more uh, Duncan Golas for about 30 years, which mm. for the Tleilaxu meant that they had time to modify and iterate on their Gola technology, trying to kind of mm -hmm. perfect that process that they're so known for. But in the long term, Leto II basically remodeled his keep's defenses, made sure everything was nice and buckled up, and founded the Fish Speakers Wow! because of his realization that, quote, male soldiers, be they Sardaukar or Fidekin, were inherently dangerous, end quote. Mm. Here's the beginning of that. 
Like this is literally the beginning of the fish speakers. And as part of that, he basically retired the Fideken. He made sure the Sardaukar were done. And he, in addition, adjusted his breeding program to make sure that the men and women he created matched the Duncan Gola's prowess. So just making people, I guess, stronger and faster and hotter. (laughs) Yeah, that is so significant. Like, look how much of Duncan Archtrader's legacy we see in God Emperor of Dune thousands of years later. The Museum Fremen, the Fish Speakers, the Keep being basically locked down. All of that is because Leto got genuinely spooked by this, like, rebel alliance that Duncan Archtrader and... Ankas or Ramsham created together. That's wild. And again, this is like early in his tenure, right? Like we're talking still in the 11,000s. Right. <laughs> Only a thousand years into his rule. <laughs> Only a mere thousand years into his rule. <laughs> yeah. And this rebel group gets so close, nearly to his inner sanctum, almost successfully kills him with a stone burner. That's a big red flag, right? He's got to keep this golden path going for a couple more thousand years at least. And this was a huge risk to have a rebel group get so close to killing him. So it's interesting that he kind of went into lockdown mode and made all these changes that we see in God Emperor of Dune in the book itself. Right. Yeah. So moving on from Arch Trader, for the next couple of Duncans, we're going to go a little bit faster, almost lightning round style, because this next set of Duncans has very short entries in the Dune Encyclopedia. Some have a couple sentences, some have just a paragraph or two. So we'll touch on them briefly, share some fun facts, and move through them. Sure. This covers basically the next 1,100 years of Duncans. We're going to go from 11,181 to 12,280. That's about 1,100 years of Duncans. (laughs) Yeah. So to start, first up we have in 11,181, The General. Most of these Duncans from now on get little nicknames, which makes them easier to refer to rather than (laughs) just the year they were born. This Duncan becomes known as the general because he's the one that creates this elaborate fish speaker training program for Leto's warriors. Yeah. We're told, unfortunately, that the general was killed in 11,226 HE, 45 years later because of a pillar of flame that a cadet accidentally armed during training. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so our poor guy spends 45 years developing this incredible fish speaker training program that's responsible for making them so good and so effective. And then a cadet brings him down, an accident during a training exercise. Ugh. What's also notable with this Duncan is that 45-year number. He survives for 45 years and as we continue to talk about duncans in today's episode y'all will notice a trend that most of them don't make it that far that is remarkably old for a duncan to survive yeah it's true and to show you truly how remarkable that is let's talk about (laughs) duncan 12117 uh this is the mentat duncan the mentat And Duncan the Mentat had Mentat training, as it turns out, Mm -hmm. which was, quote, 
in direct defiance of Leto II's prohibition. He was slain by the fish speakers upon delivery. Oh <laughs> my quote, God. Brutal. On day one. Oh, day one died the year he was delivered. It's also, this is, you know, the Tleilaks who are like trying to scheme. We're seeing this pattern now of them trying different little things here and there. Make this adjustment, make this small change, make this big change. We don't know. We're throwing our Duncan spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Totally. This will become a trend. And to prove just how much of a trend this becomes. <laughs> yeah. Five years later, the Tleilaxu are still throwing spaghetti at the wall because with this Duncan in 12,122, they tried to seduce Leto II with the sexiest person alive, objectively speaking, right? Duncan yeah. Idaho. But as a lady, this is Lady Duncan, folks. Yes. <laughs> Leto's reaction to Lady Duncan, not great. Right. The minute he saw her, he flew into a rage and crushed her instantly. Flopped all over her, crushed her. Right. Another Duncan that doesn't make it past day one. This is also the first time in recorded history that we see the appearance of the worm right. come out in Leto, which, of course, as we know, is that brutal animalistic behavior that Maneo is always so on guard about in God Emperor of Dune. Right. Here is when we see it come out for the first time in recorded history, when he crushes Lady Duncan. The Dune Encyclopedia also points out that Leto's reaction shouldn't actually surprise anyone. Quote, it made him acutely aware of his vanishing humanity. End quote. Yeah. Which I love because that's something we see him struggle with in God Emperor of Dune as well, right? Right. He's unable to be intimate with anyone because he's a fucking worm. Yeah. He brings up on his own. He's like, yo, I got no genitals. Muneo's yeah. like, uh, I was eating breakfast. <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> it's fascinating that that struggle, even here thousands of years earlier, is something that bothers Leto. Presented with a very presumably sexy Lady Duncan, his instinct is to crush her because it reminds him that he will never be able to be intimate with a lover in that way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another Duncan. This is going to be, okay, we'll try to be mature about this. Duncan, 12,143, a.k.a. The Breeder. Oh, no. <laughs> so, listen, we all know we're adults. We can say this. Duncan Idaho fucks. We know that this is true. Oh, yeah. But by God, does this Duncan fuck. This Duncan in particular <laughs> puts the other Duncans to shame. Indeed. He was trained. This is literally true. We make the joke about this planet all the time, but this is in the Dune Encyclopedia. He was trained on Gamont, the Hello. hedonistic sex planet. And in 18 years of being Duncan Idaho, fathered almost 1,000 children. My God. That is nearly 56 children per year. Holy shit. That's so much work. <laughs> God. All right. Well, anyway, he was killed by a jealous lover while sleeping with an underage Fremen girl. Oh, tough look. Tough look indeed. Yeah. It's, that's, there's no real defending that on any level, nor would I want to. Uh, it does 
speak to the sorts of things that happen on Gamont, right? Like I think about the presumably underage slave boy that Baron Harkonnen ordered from Gamont. Yeah. That's the kind of shit happening on that planet. It's awful. And Duncan, we see across multiple lifetimes, is not above depraved shit sometimes. So there we have him. The father of thousands, probably helpful for Leto's breeding program. Yeah, true. Really proliferating those genes. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Duncan, 12,212, a.k.a. Homosexual Duncan. (laughs) Can you guess what they changed about (laughs) this Duncan Idaho? What could they have possibly changed? Tilly still out here literally trying everything. What's interesting is considering Duncan's explicit distaste or discomfort with homosexuality that we see in God Emperor of Dune, this must have been like a really galling memory for him, right? Because that Duncan is able to access his previous goalless lives. So he knows at some point he was brought back as a homosexual Duncan. Interesting to think about. Yeah. Now, this Duncan's legacy is basically that he actually helped Leto to see the wisdom of sexual relationships between his fish speakers. Now, unfortunately, like many other Duncans, homosexual Duncan does not survive very long. He didn't even make it past his first year because he was killed, we're told, by a museum Fremen knave during an attempted seduction. Right. (laughs) It's not clarified to us who was seducing who in that situation, but it resulted in the death of homosexual Duncan. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Next up, we have a fan favorite, one that we've actually talked about on the show before. This guy. Duncan, 12,280 AG, a.k.a. Clumsy Duncan. Hello. (laughs) Now, this is a truly iconic Duncan. Quote, while he possessed full mentality, an accident, perhaps deliberate, in the axolotl tank, Flawed his balance and coordination. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he's clumsy. He's a clumsy, uncoordinated Duncan Idaho. And what caused the accident? Well, beyond the fact that it's possible they were just, again, fucking around, being like, what if he was everything he is but clumsy? Right, right. (laughs) Push that button. Let's see what happens. (laughs) The Dune Encyclopedia goes on to theorize as well that this may have been a clone rather than a gola. So uh, golas have to be with material from the dead body. It's possible they attempted to recreate Duncan while Duncan was still alive, which could have in some way resulted in that flaw. Mm-hmm. But God, this poor Duncan basically immediately becomes a court buffoon, almost oh. a jester, not intentionally. He's not loving it. Among the fish speakers. He walked in one day on Leto and a fish speaker just guffawing and laughing it up about his latest, quote, hilarious attempt at seduction. Oh, my God. (laughs) So not only is he clumsy physically, but he's also clumsy flirtatiously, apparently. Well, I just imagine he has really bad coordination, so he, like goes to stand up to, like, shake her hand, but rather than, like, you know, kind of gliding out of the chair and grasping her hand nicely, he, like, kind of trips a little bit and then, like, 
yeah tackles the person to his left like i just <laughs> i just picture you know his tie is not very well done he goes to put his arm over her shoulder during the movie and he punches her in the side of the head yeah yeah, Shit yeah, yeah. Like that. that's a great point like right. he's totally because then it's even more painful he knows how to be like charming but, right. but the, his body just won't work with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so brutal <laughs> and the more situations i think of the sadder it gets in some way so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in any case he was so enraged by being the butt of this joke by being tormented and teased he finally snapped he ran to the armory grabbed a small bomb hellbent on using it to kill leto too oh boy now we all know where this is going. <laughs> My man is uncoordinated as fuck. It's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Quote, he miscalculated the bomb's fuse and had difficulty throwing it. Oh, no. It blew up in his hand, killing him instantly. Oh, clumsy Duncan. <laughs> clumsy Duncan. I also really do. I picture, you know, Leto sitting on his throne. Door slams open, but like a little awkwardly clumsy duncan's there <laughs> and then at like 200 feet away from clumsy duncan he just watches all of that happen and he's like well all right <laughs> Moneo! Moneo, order me another <laughs> another <laughs> yeah it's it's a tough look but clumsy duncan rest in peace rest in peace our guy what a hilarious picture you've painted for us leo that's so funny <laughs> all right so that covers that 1,100-year span of Duncan's. We're going to take a bit of a breather here, but dear friends, don't go anywhere. There are many more Duncan's still to talk about, and perhaps some of the best. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We, we hope you're ready for more Duncan's, because we've got them. They're, uh, they're waiting in the parking lot outside. I'm going to go get them now. <laughs> Next up, we're going to talk about a new batch of Duncans that covers about 700 years. To be clear, this is starting in the year 12,301 AG, going up to 13,004 AG. So this is the period. And first up, we get Duncan, 12,301 AG, the Kwisatz Haderach. Oh! Kind of. Uh, basically, the Tleilaxu attempted to recreate the Kwisatz Haderach but it didn't turn out great. Uh, uh, who would have guessed? What, who, who could have guessed that their schemes wouldn't land? Quote, Following his bitter denunciation of life and loyalty at his first Sienok, he was torn to pieces by the fish speakers. Oh my God. End quote. Yeah, not a great look. And he's dead. That's it. Right. Man, I, I'm burning to know more about this Kwisatz Haderach Duncan, but that's all we're told is that it didn't go well and that he was torn apart by the fish speakers. But you can imagine he wasn't exactly Paul Atreides. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm picturing the Sightail was talking about the one that they did. Yeah. The, and uh, and how he basically just killed himself. Like, they, they clearly had a recipe. And they're like, what if we try that on Duncan specifically? Right. With all of these things we've learned over the last thousand years. And it seems like he's more stable, but <laughs> he just, I guess, doesn't have a way with words because he prompted his own murder. Totally. 
or at least can't read the room when he's in a room of fish speakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's gone quiet. He's still talking. Right. In oh. addition to those thoughts, here's another thing I think. <laughs> Why are you getting closer to me? Anyway, here's a third thought. <laughs> so funny. All right, let's talk about our next Duncan. This is Duncan 12,613. He doesn't have a name, but I have dubbed him the Cyborg. Mm. And you'll understand why in a second. The Tleilaxu with this Duncan basically said, yeah, what if we just put everything into this one? Just pump him full of upgrades. And basically, he turned out kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. He's known for greatly improving that fish speaker program that one of his ancestor Duncans was responsible for creating. Right. And the improvements were so impressive that Leto 2 ignored a number of deaths in both the cadets and the officers. Deaths that occurred either during training or in duels. So like Cyborg Duncan out here is like clearly dueling people left and right as well. And his training sounds brutal, but it was so good that to Leto 2, it was worth it to overlook some of the bloodshed. Right. Unfortunately for Cyborg Duncan, we're told that in a very War of the Worlds style fashion, yeah. our guy tragically died because of an allergic reaction to melange. <laughs> He's like oh. pumped full of parts. He's like so strong and smart and brilliant, but ultimately taken down because of his allergies. He forgot to take his Claritin clear. <laughs> Get some Flonase, Duncan. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're right. The War of the Worlds comparison is very apt because he, he's like such a tank of a human and he dies from like a substance allergy. Yeah. Ugh. Well, <laughs> moving on from Duncan the Cyborg, we get Duncan, 12,720, the sculptor. Hey, kind of nice. Glad I get to talk about this one. <laughs> the toy laxu we're like okay we tried everything on that last one that you learned about this next one you're going to learn about what if he had an art degree <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile i'm like no don't it doesn't do anything <laughs> well they didn't hear me and they made a duncan with an art degree and actually he ended up being very very successful uh Wonder what that feels like. Basically, <laughs> throughout the empire for his work, he was like a fogwood sculptor, which is very cool. And we've talked about fogwood in the uh, Ekaz episode, and it's mentioned a few times in Dune. But he ended up crushed to death by his own statue that he was carving. Oh, no. And it was a statue of Stilgar, My God. of all people. So, considering uh, he was killed many lifetimes ago by Stilgar. Bittersweet irony here. It's kind of a yeah. full circle moment. So funny. And his greatest contribution to the kind of world that we meet in God Emperor of Dune is actually he is responsible for the architecture of On, O-N-N, which is the city that we see in God Emperor of Dune. So yeah. we may not know him, but we know his works. We do indeed. Rest in peace, Sculptor Duncan. Yeah. 
wished you could have finished that Stilgar statue. <laughs> I'm sure it was very, very cool, if a little bit unstable. <laughs> yeah, sounds a little heavy, you know? Probably could have made it a little smaller, but alas. Try a hollow one next time. What are you doing, my guy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up is Duncan12921, a.k.a. the Benny Gesserit. This Duncan was given Benny Gesserit training in an attempt to subvert the fish speakers, which <laughs> Leto thought was actually fucking hilarious. Right. The Dune Encyclopedia tells us that Leto allowed this Duncan to live for 13 years while, quote, taking cruel glee in his failures among the fish speakers and parading him in mockery before the Bene Gesserit ambassadors at every opportunity, end quote. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> at this point, Leto is just toying with this Duncan. Yeah. Like the Toy Laxor, were like, we came up with a brilliant plan. He has Benny Gesserit training. He's, he's going <laughs> to weirding way the fuck out of, like, Leto too and the fish speaker. And Leto's just like, this is so funny. This is so <laughs> yeah. funny that I'm going to rub it in everyone's face. <laughs> the Bene Gesserit do eventually end up assassinating this Duncan. Because on one hand, this Duncan is growing increasingly unstable and is pretend is like walking around pretending to be a truth sayer because he thinks he's like a Benny Gesserit. And on the other hand, my headcanon is that they also probably just assassinated him because they were sick of being made fun of by Leto too. Like the, there's only so much mockery that Benny Gesserit is going to put up with before they're going to take action. And so I imagine they're like, okay, this dude's given Benny Gesserit a bad name. He's becoming increasingly unstable. And also, God damn it, if I have to hear Leto to snicker at me one more time about it. <laughs> right. So Benny Gesserit Duncan meets his demise at the hands of the Benny Gesserit themselves. Ugh. Irony. Irony upon irony. <laughs> Truly. Next up, we have Duncan 13. 13- 04, 13,004, uh, The Musician. Yeah. Also very artsy, very cool. This Duncan is said to have been the greatest Balisette player in history, perhaps even better than Gurney Halleck. And a decade into his life, a decade into his service for uh, Leto II, he began suffering from something Leto II called Since Syndrome, which the Dune Encyclopedia defines as a compulsion of, quote, wanting to know what had happened since he last knew awareness, end quote. Something I can't even begin to fathom, but naturally, if you're a series of chained golas across thousands of years, <laughs> weird shit might happen. So this might yeah. be one of those things. Yeah. To me, it almost sounds like an obsession with knowing about, like, when he wasn't alive, right? Like you can imagine not every Duncan is like ordered back to back. There's probably gaps of a couple of years or whatever in between. Oh, sure. And the way this is defined in the encyclopedia, to me, it sounds like this compulsion, right? Of wanting to know what happened since he was last aware is just like wanting to know, like at this point, thousands of years have passed. We're in the year 13,004. Right. And... It's really the last Duncan that can access all of his Gola memories. These Duncans that wake up, the last memories they have are of being like Duncan Prime, of being the original Duncan fucking 3,000 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So you can imagine many of them succumb to this obsession of knowing what the fuck happened in the last 3,000 years, right? Like <laughs> right, that yeah. kind of time skip is almost impossible for the human brain to comprehend or to process. And so in, in my mind, it's almost like this sense syndrome that Leto calls it is probably like a mental collapse for some of these Duncans who can't wrap their minds around being fucking time skipped 3000 years into the future. Right. Since the last time they were quote unquote awake. Yeah. That's, I mean, that sounds right to me from the way you're kind of describing it. Um, we'll also see, cause we're going to talk in a minute about curious Duncan, but we're going to see that the different Duncans dealing with that 3000 year gap in their knowledge of the universe handle it differently right like yeah the way that they see that big mystery does it do they allow it to fixate do they kind of just ignore it and say well what matters is what we do now you know um yeah totally yeah so that's that's such a good point and the musician duncan the musician was perhaps characteristically of of an artist melancholic about all this (laughs) he was yeah (laughs) he really let it get him down and he felt this syndrome, if we're calling it that, so strongly that he actually did end up committing suicide, which is mm-hmm. very, very sad. But his recordings, his Balisette recordings, Leto too actually kept his recordings alongside his journals in Dar es Balat, which is super sweet. Aww. I know, Leto too's like, here's all this important shit, like here's the things you're going to need for the Golden Path. Also, I made you a mixtape of the greatest Balisette player ever to live. He was oh great. Oh, my God. Very sweet. I thought that was a really beautiful little note. Yeah, that is. I mean, it shows you how highly he regarded this Duncan's work. Like, there's no... That Stilgar statue isn't in Dara's Blot, right? Like, there's no Fogwood statue in there. Right. Or at least not one that survived. But these musical recordings were right alongside his journals. Yeah. It's beautiful. He truly held them in high regard. Okay, let's talk about our next Duncan. And this one we want to dwell on a little bit because Duncan 13,015, who we are calling Curious Duncan, Mm -hmm. gives us a lot of insight into Leitutu's breeding program and into Paul becoming the Kwisatz Haderach. We're told that Curious Duncan is rumored to have been killed when he asked Leto to a question. What exactly that question is, no one knows. Never been recorded in history. Right. But we have to back up a little bit. Before we can get to that fateful question, let's explain how we get there. The story goes that Curious Duncan became interested in Leto's breeding program. And his enthusiasm for the subject actually impressed Leto so much that he let the Gola basically see all his records he was basically like yeah you can go to the restricted section of my library and access those records right yeah go crazy and so curious duncan does exactly that he starts cracking open records he starts investigating the breeding program and genealogical history and he comes upon a question that he becomes obsessed with he basically wants to solve the puzzle of why after count fenring failed as a Kwisatz haderach why it took another three generations for Paul to finally become a messiah. Right. Right? Like, why wasn't just 
the next child after Fenring, the Kwisatz Haderach? Why did it skip a few generations until we finally got to Paul? Yeah. And so he truly like dives into some incredible research. And the Dune Encyclopedia shares a number of his like diary entries. But to sort of compress that long and very convoluted story short, basically Curious Duncan, through this research, comes across a potential cover-up that this delay, this three-generation delay between Count Fenring and Paul, was likely caused by a defect within the Harkonnens, who he discovers probably had something called Hardison's disease in their genetic line. Right. And so Curious Duncan basically postulates that this disease caused the Harkonnens to go mad or to go madder when they left the very oxygen-rich atmosphere of Giddy Prime. Right. And because they're related, this would also mean that Jessica, Paul, Alia, and the twins would all carry this disease within their genes because they all come from that same Harkonnen line. Right. So because of this Hardison's disease discovery, Curious Duncan, at this point in his research, has come to believe that Leto's other voices, quote, were the phantoms of a deteriorating mind, that the more frequent approaches of the worm were signs of the progress of this disease, end quote. Right. In short, Curious Duncan is like, oh my God, is Leto too going crazy because of this disease I've maybe discovered? Right. And so the day after he comes up with his theory, he approaches Leto too with that fateful question that we don't know, and he is killed. The Dune Encyclopedia posits that that fateful question that enraged Leto so much that he kills Curious Duncan could have been, quote, was Reverend Mother Guy's Helen Moheim the mother of Hazemir Fenring, end quote. Right. And the reason he asks that question is because you're not going to walk up to the God Emperor and just be like, yo, are you, are you going crazy? Have you heard about Hardison's <laughs> yeah. disease? Like. Dun Curious Duncan is basically trying to get to the answer in a roundabout way because if Leto reveals the truth of who Fenring's mother is, it either confirms or denies Duncan's Hardison theory. Right. And as we know, Moheim is not Fenring's mother, which does support the theory. But we don't get an answer. Instead, Leto too kills him. So this leads us to a question that's worth considering. Why kill him immediately? Uh, question we could have asked about any of the Duncans in this episode. <laughs> but Curious Duncan was given all of this time and all of this access to, to research and books and records. And, yeah. And even in the Dune Encyclopedia, he goes on these trips. He goes to Wallach to get Benny Gesserit documents. He goes to Giddy Prime in person. Mm -hmm. He does all this stuff. The question then is, was... Leto murdering him because he was close to some kind of ultimate truth? Or was he perhaps just in a wormy mood and uh, yeah. enraged at the, at the question or the subtle implication that he's going mad? What do you think? Why do you, why do you, think, um, why do you think Leto killed him offhand? I think it's more the latter. Hmm. Uh, I think Leto killing Curious Duncan in this moment is like a very aggressive PR move from Leto, basically, and not an indication that he's actually going mad or that Curious Duncan unraveled some truth. Because I actually don't think Leto 2 
is going mad, you know, out, outside of like the usual run of the mill madness that being a preborn Kwisatz Haderach mortal god, god worm entails. <laughs> uh, I think Leto killed Curious Duncan because he couldn't have this idea spread around about him that the god emperor is going mad. It would tarnish his image as this omnipotent god who must be worshipped and never questioned, which much of the universe still believes, right? Like we see rebels, we see people actively working against the god emperor, but we're talking about a universe of trillions of people right. who accept this worm god as their leader and have for 3,000 plus years. To have this seed planted publicly that maybe he's going crazy would be a tough look for him. I also think that in much the same way that Lady Duncan reminded him of his dwindling humanity and his dwindling ability to be sexually intimate, I also think Curious Duncan's question and implicit accusation of his madness might have scared Leto a little bit too. Because it's not hard to imagine that across 3,500 years, he probably had a couple of moments where he thought he was losing his mind, given his abilities, given his lifespan, given everything he does as like the god emperor of the universe. I can imagine that he probably had some dark spells here and there, a couple of years here and there, where he questioned his own sanity. So to be confronted by that, to have Curious Duncan come up and basically ask him, yo, are you going crazy? Maybe scared him a little bit too. So maybe that's why the worm came out in this instance as well, just like it did for Lady Duncan. Sure, yeah. I'm, cur I'm curious what you think. I, I pretty much like don't think there's an ultimate truth here that Duncan's un unraveling, but I I'm curious where you fall on that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. For anybody who is curious about all this, I'd say read the entry because his notes are fascinating. And the kind of path he took to get to that question and that moment that killed him is really interesting. The idea of Hardison's disease, this thing that I think is made up for, for Dune, um, causing madness, I super love the idea. Mm. I think at the end of the day, we're, we don't know for sure, obviously, but allowing for that possibility, like he, he connects some dots that I thought were really interesting. Like, obviously the Harkonnens are all pretty crazy, especially the ones off planet. But also like Jessica returning to the Bene Gesserit, I always thought that was kind of a weird move. And he points out like, that's not the Jessica he knew. And you can rationalize her going back to the Bene Gesserit in many ways. But the idea that this was also partially because she had this maybe uncharacteristic wildness to her that was a result of Hardison's. And even Paul in Messiah, and then as the preacher, is not exactly a shining, shimmering example of perfect mental health. <laughs> I, I think of him with such reverence, and the preacher's speeches in Children of Dune are so good. But if you look at the chapter where it's him talking to Leto, he's like petulant and grumpy and like not the crystalline character he was even in messiah right yeah yeah totally and the worm capital t capital w is a thing that we're told about happening more and more and there is this like sense of progression maneo's like well i'm watching out for the worm so i don't think i have any reason to say he wasn't going mad and we do get plenty of hints that his 
physical transformation as crazy as it was to this like hulking worm boy uh, was actually somewhat tame in comparison to the other ways he would have to change along this golden path, right? Through conversations, I think it's kind of hinted at that he's aware that his mind is going to change in some dramatic way over the next 3,000 years. And what that way is, we're not sure, but it might be necessary for the golden path, all the more kind of tragic as a, as a sort of martyr, giving himself and his sanity to the survival of the human species. But none of that even really addresses, like, why kill Duncan, right? Like, maybe Leto did it in a moment of passion, this kind of worm, worm mode. But it's also just as possible that, like, Curious Duncan is asking this question. And if, like, regardless of what Leto said or did in that room, if Curious Duncan was going to go out of that room and then communicate to people, oh, this is a thing, or, like, here's my discovery, or this regardless of its relationship to the truth, if that would jeopardize the golden path, then Leto would kill him because that's all of it. That's the whole thing. Leto too aimed to say to the universe, never again accept a tyrant. <laughs> My thought is like, if Duncan came out and said, hey, you know, he's got this Hardison's disease. He's been going mad for the last few thousand years. Maybe some portions of the human species would be like, Okay, but maybe we'll have another tyrant as long as he's not like crazy like this one. <laughs> well, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And that's just not acceptable for everything that Leto had given up. Exactly. I don't know. All of this is super interesting. Long story short, I think he was onto something. I think he was onto some connection. I, I, reading through his journals, I'm like, I see it. But I also think that it's most likely that Leto killing him was part of the golden path, and Leto just did did what was necessary to uh, keep things going. Yeah, I agree. Ultimately, it's all in service of the golden path. All right, we have two more Duncans left on our list today, folks. Indeed. Let's get through them. Next up, we have Duncan 13381, a.k.a. Addict Duncan. <laughs> this is a tough look. <laughs> yeah. This next Duncan was delivered to Leto, already deeply addicted to Spice Melange. And the Tleilaxu's hope here was that this would somehow trick Leto into revealing his secret Spice Horde. Right. Shockingly, this strategy works. Like, Addict Duncan leads one of the Spacing Guild ambassadors, who are presumably in on this plot, straight to... Leto's spice sword. He finds out where it is and leads one of the conspirators straight to it. Cool. And then there's a plot twist. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Because in their moment of triumph, in the moment they walk into this room and probably see more fucking spice than they've ever seen in their life, the fish speakers that were hiding nearby jump into action and murk them. <laughs> and there you go, folks. Let that be a lesson not to fuck with Leto 2. Clearly, this whole plot was just Leto once again toying with this Duncan, toying with the Tleilaxu, yeah. and letting them think that they had won, only to snuff out the victory at the last second. Gather together all your friends who are so curious to find out where this thing is. You can, you can lead them to it. <laughs> yep. They're like, man, he's such an idiot. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. 
I love that. Well, for our last Duncan today, <laughs> last America runs on Duncans today, <laughs> 13, 663. Lace gun Duncan. He's got lace guns for arms. No. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> our final Duncan is best remembered for two things. First up, he lived a fucking long time. <laughs> he served for 60 years. Wild. And then Wild. also shot God Emperor Leto II with a lace gun. Basically, to put in context why this 60-year lifespan is special, this is a detail from the Dune Encyclopedia. Quote, Leto II's diaries and the Daris Balat Horde have already indicated that over 20 Duncan Golas failed to survive the first contact interview with the fish speakers. Oh my God. <laughs> and the initial survey of the diaries reveals that there were well over 70 Duncans delivered by the Benny Toilaks. End quote. So, on one hand, I'm like angry that we didn't hear about these other 70 fucking Duncans. Yeah, uh, what the fuck? In the Dune Encyclopedia. Come on, give me a new, all of them. Tell me. <laughs> I want to know. But even among the kind of 17 that we've talked about today, it's super clear that the average lifespan or the average like time in service is low. Like mm -hmm. we talked about three today, at least, who died day one. So <laughs> the average is brought down pretty significantly uh, by those early deaths. Now, Lays Gun Duncan you might think compared to the other ones who were pretty successful, the like cyborg Duncan, who's got every fucking upgrade known to man. Lace gun Duncan's normal. Just a normal Gola. The, uh, relax who were like, let's take a break on this one. We've been sending a lot of everything bagels. Let's just send him a plane. Let's just send him a plane. <laughs> and the Dune Encyclopedia posits that this is a long-term con on behalf of the Benny Tleilax, right? They're like, we'll lull him into a false sense of security before we then deliver like a Super Saiyan Duncan or a Duncan with sword teeth. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but he had one unique thing about him. And we'll let the Dune Encyclopedia explain. Quote, he was the only Duncan who was monogamous, a factor that surely contributed to his stability. Oh my End God. Quote. <laughs> Yeah, good lord. Turns out Damn. perhaps Duncan's happiest when he's married and settled down and not having a child a week uh, <laughs> <laughs> across 18 years. Holy shit. That's incredible. What a sentence. Yeah. Now, we do get a bit more details about his home life and how he settled down, this monogamous marriage that he was in. We're told that he married a museum Fremen named Irte, who lived in the siege formerly known as Chakarutu. Right. She's described as strongly resembling Lady Jessica, and we're told that they had two sons and a daughter together. But even this lovely little domestic life may have been part of some Tleilaxu plot. <laughs> Damn it, Tleilaxu. Because our poor fucking Duncan... Just cannot catch a break. There's plenty of conjecture out there that Irte may have actually been a Gola of Lady Jessica and that 
her introduction to Lay's Gun Duncan and their marriage and their home life was all part of this Slay Laksu plan to make this Duncan as boring and normal as possible. Again, we're trying to lull Leto 2 into a false sense of security so that we can really hit him with the next one. Right. There's no concrete surefire evidence that this is actually the case, but it is a theory that is pretty easy to believe. This all sounds very on brand for the Tleilaxu. Right. It's true. Regardless of all of that, Leto 2 was totally chill with this Duncan, like tolerated the marriage, tolerated the family, was pretty content with Lay's Gun Duncan in general. Alas, and we all knew this was coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a Duncan Idaho Golo we're talking about, which means a tragic end is inevitable. Late in his service, Lay's Gun Duncan grows agitated once he finds out that there is a plan being cooked up to replace him. Basically because he has served his purpose, he's getting older, and it's time for a fresh new Duncan to take over. Right. Quote, Duncan 13663 could not tolerate the realization that he was useless or antiquated. End quote. Right. And these feelings became so strong within him that, like many of his predecessors, he can't help himself. He decides... That he needs to assassinate Leto too. Right. He doesn't want to be replaced. Leto is the source of all his problems, and the guy who's going to order his replacement got to take him out. Now, unlike his predecessors, Lay's Gun Duncan doesn't just run to the armory and grab the smallest bomb in there and blow his hand up and fucking murk himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> he is very methodical about this, and I imagine this is because of his age, like he's, he's had 60 years to like mature and grow and maybe appreciate slowing down at life a bit. He is methodical about this assassination plan. And it's because of this planning and this slow approach to it that he gets closer than any previous Duncan in history. He is responsible for actually shooting a laser gun at the God Emperor and harming him. Yeah. We know from God Emperor of Dune that Leto has that one sort of vestigial leg that's kind of like floppy and useless because it's been damaged by this Duncan. He took that laser gun hit and was physically harmed. Yeah. Crazy. Something that like we didn't even know could happen to Leto too, right? Like who knows if you can even harm the God Emperor? Is he invincible? Laser gun Duncan proves that the God does bleed, which is huge. Yeah. Let's uh, let's wrap up and let's wrap up now that we've talked about these Duncans. We've talked about thousands of years of Duncans. Uh, <laughs> although, again, still bitter about the 70 we didn't hear about. Dude, right, encyclopedia, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Skipping on details. <laughs> let's wrap up with a question, as always. Abu, mm -hmm. favorite Duncan. Which one of the ones we talked about today do you like the most? Uh, tough question. Yeah. There's redeeming qualities about all of them and things to hate about all of them. Yeah, true. I think what I'll go with for my pick is the last one we just talked about. Our guy Lays Gun Duncan for many of the reasons we just discussed. Like not only did he manage to live a relatively long and peaceful life, but he married a total babe and had a beautiful family with her 
even if she was a Gola, like that's neither here nor there. Right. And it's nice to hear that he basically had no Tleilaxu tampering, right? Like he wasn't given an art degree. He wasn't <laughs> pump pumped full of like cyborg parts to be super strong or fast or whatever. Right. No tampering, no like mental insanity for him, no being fucking swept up in rebel plots and trying to assassinate the God Emperor. Our guy just spent 60 years clocking into his nine to five and then going home to his wife and kids. Yeah. And something about that is like really endearing and nice. Right. I also, like I said earlier, have to just respect the fact that he was able to harm the God Emperor. Something that no one has been able to do for thousands of years and countless people have tried, not just Duncan's. I mean, the Bene Gesserit, the Ixians, the Tleilaxu. Right. There are forces out here trying to take him down all the time. No one's come close. Lay's gun Duncan got close. That is incredible. Like, we can't pretend that isn't a massive achievement. <laughs> yeah. And it's one that we even see in God Emperor of Dune, Leto be nervous about. Like, Leto th nervously think back on how close Lay's gun Duncan got to actually killing him. So that's my pick. Lay's gun Duncan pulled off some incredible stuff, raised a beautiful family at the same time. And ultimately, that just kind of makes me happy. Like, the end result of our conversation today in this episode and the research of learning about these Duncans is I just want the guy to be happy. Like <laughs> right, I just want him yeah. to like live a happy, normal life. And Lays Gun Duncan probably got as close as Duncan ever will <laughs> to living a normal, happy life. Right. So for that, he's my favorite today. What about, what about you? I think I know which one you're going to pick, but wh <laughs> who's your favorite Duncan from today's list? <laughs> well, Quick shout out, honorable mention to Lady Duncan, which is just yeah. amazing. I love that idea. Uh, but yeah, not surprising to anybody. Clumsy Duncan is my favorite. It's the best. <laughs> and listen, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm punching down, right? Like Clumsy Duncan certainly is deserving of real sympathy. But this idea, the what if of in all of the many Duncans that have existed, you have this, like, god of a man who's capable of so much, and you take from him his coordination in a way that almost makes him a joke is such a fascinating study of, like, I don't know, how, how everything can be brought together with just, like, one more quality, right? Or how everything can be undone. You know, he still looks the way he looks. He still has the mind. He's still there. He's just not coordinated and he sucks suddenly. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I think it's worth, from kind of a Buddhist perspective, Duncan Idaho, across his many lifetimes, has done some wicked shit. Like, he's done some, like, deplorable, depraved stuff, right? Uh-huh. I almost said the breeding Duncan, and then I was like, I can't really say he's my favorite <laughs> after yeah. how he was found. That's not, uh, yeah. not great. So, you know what? You're building up this negative karma through these actions. You're kind of sowing these seeds across the many lifetimes. I will say I also celebrate Clumsy Duncan as the most tragic and tormented of the Duncans because maybe he burns off some of that negative karma and he's, uh, he's kind of cleaning the plate a bit. I think it did his future selves some good to get rid of some of that suffering. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Clumsy Duncan did anything that bad. Yeah. Like the worst this Agreed. guy probably did is like trip over his shoelaces on a date with a girl. 
And he tried. <laughs> he tried to do some shit, but he just wasn't coordinated. And right. you know what? At the end of the day, I'm, I think he's glad he didn't. He didn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I think being clumsy was maybe the best gift he ever got. Didn't have to live the torturous life of the other Duncans. That's true. <laughs> oh, gosh, what a character. Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lord Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, whoever controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path. Proud to count myself among the ranks of the hashtag Duncan Idaho's. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But also we're a strong community and we're inclusive. So whoever wants to be a Duncan Idaho, (laughs) you know where to find it. That's ho H-O-E. I realize it only works in plural. Right, right. It works in (laughs) the script and text, but might have to clarify here in audio. Yeah, H-O-E. We'll have to include. Now we're over explaining our joke and it's becoming less and less funny. funny. (laughs) It makes it funny to explain a joke, doesn't it? That's the classic formula.